Hey, quick note before we get started in this episode, because it's slightly different. We're introducing a new series of quick-fire interviews. We know not everyone can spend the time on our long-form interviews going well over an hour, so we're going to add some shorter segments with our quick-fire format. This is where we ask each guest the same kind of questions, broken into two sections. First, their thoughts on major areas of the sport of squash, and then two other areas that we learn more about their life. I love this section because I never know what people are going to say, and I've learned so much about the guests and new ways to try and do things. So we're going to try and do more interviews based on this shorter format because we're always up for experiments and trying new things. We're already full steam ahead for 2021 and looking to do even more. Thank you for all your support we've been getting, and your emails mean the world to me and the rest of the team. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word about our sponsor. So, Lee, we want to thank you for being our first sponsor on Squash Radio. And just want to say, you've sponsored other avenues, but Squash is always where your heart's at. What does it mean to you to be sponsoring Squash? I think there's just a, a lot of interesting people in the sports. I've attended junior tournaments, I've been to professional tournaments, and you can always get into some engaging conversations. And I think Squash Radio is an avenue of bringing those people to the forefront. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to listen to them. And sponsoring this, we're just uh, facilitating that. I think you nailed it. Is there anything else you, you might want to add? But I think you, you nailed it. That is, <laughs> that's exactly what I think. Because <laughs> I'm in like with hope. I've met Hope so many times and they've got into a little bit of conversation, but listening to that conversation you had with her, just, she's just a squash through and through person. And I don't know how many listeners you get, but it doesn't matter. It's the fact that people can now relate to Hope as this person. Hopefully they're going to do that with me. I'm sure, because I'm quite a private person, I'm not, I've never been a person who hung around the squash circle of people, but when I do, I've got some very good friends and they will probably know me, but there's a lot of people who saw me at junior tournaments and a lot of my juniors were top players in the country. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great way of bringing some of the personalities from squash. That was Lee Witham, who is the CEO of Pro Sports LED, the sponsor of this podcast. You probably don't even think about lighting and neither did we until we started talking to Lee. And now we totally get the problem that Pro Sport LED is fixing. And we know maybe that's not you now or maybe not you ever. But if you know anyone who might be interested or need to improve their lighting for squash, tennis, soccer, you name it, it would mean a lot to us and our sponsor if you'd put us in touch. You can go to squashradio.com LED or email squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thank you again, and back to our show. What about this? This call is being recorded. Well, you've been so good at sharing this this journey of Nova and, and yourself, because it's hard to sometimes separate the founder from the company, especially in the beginning. And so I know myself, that's been true. You really have, it's gone beyond just yourself, and that's really a huge level of success. So we're going to switch into the quick fire section. Okay. And uh, this is broken into two different areas. One is the squash side of things, and then the other one's just more get-to-know-you kind of vibe. So in this section of, uh, we'll call it the 90-second drill, I'm going to go through major topics in, in the sport of squash. You have 90 seconds, answer however you want. 
but maybe try and give um, one thing that you love about this area and one thing that you want to see improved. Okay. So we're going to start off in the arena of professional squash. What is it that you love or what would you want to see improved? I love watching it on Facebook. I think it's really cool that the PSA has made it, you know, you're able to watch these players compete at the professional level and it's accessible. But I think that I really want more people to be watching. I mean, I think that's the huge, you know, a lot of squash players are like wise in in Olympics. And I think there's not that many viewers. And so we need to find more ways to raise awareness of the game of squash in general and somehow make it so that more people can be watching these incredible matches that are insane. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. I like it. College squash. What do you love and what do you want to see improved? I love how much of a community it is. It's incredible to be growing up with these boys and girls playing at the junior level and then to see us all continue and play the game we love at the collegiate level. It's really cool. But I think that, and I love how competitive it is. You know, you might be playing against your best friend who's playing on a different collegiate team. But I think that, you know, we need to also take a deep breath, look back. This is what 2020 has made me see is that we're all doing it because we love the community. We love, yes, it's a great workout, but it's the friends we make through squash and how we grow as a person and look at the world and how, you know, setting up a rally and winning that point is kind of like solving a problem in the real world. You know, it's so translatable to what you're doing in school or when you're solving, you know, a problem at the desk on your new job. And so I think just stepping back and looking at what really matters and why we're playing squash is what I'd probably like to see change. Well, the next question or the next area goes to junior squash. And let me try and rephrase this a little bit because you've graduated from the junior ranks. So what would be your advice having kind of gone through junior squash what's your advice to the younger squash players out there just take a deep breath honestly take a deep breath and just work as hard as you can there's so much pressure I feel like when you go to those junior tournaments and you know just talking to my friends a lot of people say junior squash doesn't even compare to college squash college squash is so fun and it's about the team and so I think you know when you're a junior just take a deep breath and play squash because you love it, not because whatever other reason that you're there for, because it's a great game. I'm mindful that essentially there's an element that if you're if you're suggesting taking a deep breath, am I right in assuming that there's pressure? Oh, so much pressure. So much pressure. I don't know how anyone does it. And the pressure, I think, comes from multiple angles, which is, I think, what creates the the pressure, so to speak, because it's not just the coach or you wanting to impress your coach or, you know, be the best you can be. There's obviously the parental, there's the scholastic involvement. There's also yourself. Like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because of these external forces. So I like to take a deep breath because that to me signifies like take a deep breath. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're tired and you catch your breath, you can start to think more clearly. But so what would be a way that you could advise on how to balance those pressures? Yeah, I mean, for me, what I always tell myself is there's always going to be a better squash player out there. You know, I mean, for most of us, we're never going to be number one in the world. (laughs) And also, when I was competing at the junior level, I was never just a squash player. I was also a student. I was also a friend. I was an older sister. I was a daughter. And so 
you know, there's so much more to life than just winning that next match or getting that next rally or taking that game. And so if you just put things in perspective and like, you know, this is what comes back to my head every time is Olivia Blatchford telling me squash is so that you can grow as a person. I think that really hits home. Yeah, well said. But there's an element there. Was that something that you kind of reconciled yourself? Or I I know it sounds like Olivia's words really helped you there. But did you kind of come to this realization yourself? Or how did you come about with that answer? I think, I mean, you know, junior squash is so much pressure and going through it. I was like, I don't know how I would ever do this again. (laughs) But also starting Nova really helped me open my eyes up to it because, you know, like I was saying before, when I was at the tournaments, I wasn't only playing the matches there. You know, I don't play the match ref and then leave. I'm spending all day at the tournament trying to, you know, represent the brand and tell people about Nova. And so that showed me the different sides of squash. And I was like, you know, I'm not just here to play the match. I'm here to make friends. I'm here to meet people. I'm here to make a difference. And so I think that working on Nova and setting up those booths and talking to people really exposed me to the other reasons why I'm really at this tournament and playing the game I love. I mean, that's a huge epiphany. And, you know, I think that sounds somewhat ironic, the way that managed the pressure of you doing this one thing is by doing other things. And then that that gives exposure. And, um, you know, that that makes sense to me, too. And there was a time where I actually wanted to specialize in squash and I w- was not allowed to because I was kind of late. Uh, I picked it up when I was 16. And so I wanted to try and play catch up and play year round. So I only played in my season. And, you know, so in three years, I played basically nine months. Right. And that is not the norm where typically the the season these days for junior squash kids is nine months. Anyway, so I think that that despite my not being allowed, that gave me a different perspective of playing on different sports. Definitely. So last question in this area is, what about your desired plans for the sport? What are the future desired plans for the sport of squash, like desired future plans? So one thing that's been really um, inspirational about squash to me is the urban squash program. So like I said before, I I started Beads by the Water, my first jewelry making company, and I was donating a lot of the proceeds to the urban squash organization. And I think that the urban squash, yeah, exactly, squash haven. And so telling more people about the sport, it's such a sheltered sport right now. It's dominated by the elite communities. And I think that it's super important that we make squash more accessible to everyone in the US and around the world, whether that's making public squash courts or, you know, whatever it is, like, it needs to start somewhere. It's such a great game. It's a fun workout. Like I said before, it's about the community. And I think I'd really like to see it grow to more people and different types of people with different backgrounds and from different communities. That's super important. I would echo that. And, you know, I, the reoccurring themes on this podcast, certainly a lot of that comes back to it. And really, you know, this podcast is even an effort to just try and tell the stories that aren't being told essentially right and what i mean by that is even the top players that we see or the biggest brands that we kind of know in the sport that's not where i naturally go as i try and tell other people's stories i haven't had an opportunity to because i don't think they're those stories are being told as effectively as we could be but at least there's a, an attempt or it's trying to be told so you know that's that's kind of a, the reoccurring themes on this podcast So we're going to switch into a little bit more of the standard questions we ask. And do you have a favorite movie or documentary? Any channels that you kind of really inspire you? Oh, I like Shark Tank on, you know, on TV. I think 
that's kind of my first exposure to entrepreneurship. I was like, whoa, these pitches seem really cool and they're really put on the spot. And that's something that really resonated to me. I was like, whoa, one day maybe. (laughs) And how old were you when you started watching that? Probably 12, 13. And would it be just you or your whole family? Me and my sisters. What was one of the products that sort of you love the most or the pitches or that kind of thing? I'm a huge shark fan. Yeah, I don't don't know if I have an exact product, but I think what really fascinated was me wasn't the product. It was like the pitch. Yeah, yeah, the stories like going, you know, these, these people are coming to this TV show to like basically pitch their company that maybe is putting food in their, on their table. And I think the way that the sharks are questioning them and doing their due diligence and thinking about these really specific questions got me thinking. And I liked how it pushed my brain. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I hear them say that all the time, by the way. And so it's just really interesting to hear. And they're like, look, we're inspiring the next, you know, the future generations of entrepreneurs. So you're the first sort of recipient of that that I've personally heard other than actually going down the tank. So like, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I, I love that show for so many reasons. Like A, an entrepreneur myself, I like seeing what works or not. But there's so many dynamics at play, right? Whether it's with the right, that shark or who's going to, you know, what's the valuation? Like so many things that determine whether it will go through or not. So it's always fascinating. What is something that gets you fired up? And this can be either positive or negative and in squash world or just anywhere outside of it. But what gets you fired up? I really like being outside. I think that gets me fired up in a good way. Yeah, I just like being with nature, being unplugged, being in the outdoors, exploring new places, maybe taking walks or going on hikes, biking, whatever it is. I like to feel, I don't know, I like to feel one. Are you forest, mountains, uh, grass, water? I love the beach. I love the water. But I also love the mountains too. But you have to, if you had to pick one. The beach, yeah. Beach by the water. (laughs) By the water, yeah. Do you have a favorite place that you, like, is there a beach that comes to mind either that you've gone to that you want to go back to or to explore? I live about 10 minutes from the beach here in Connecticut. So, you know, it's not the Bahamas white sand, but it feels like home to me. And so, you know, I did a lot of my beads by the water photo shoots literally at that beach, you know, with the bracelet on, you know, with the water in the background. But yeah, I think that just growing up in this area and taking walks to the beach with my parents and now walking my dog there feels like home. I like it. The next question is what brings you disproportionate happiness? And the quick thing I'll give with that is that I think family and dogs and like good friends that, you know, they're really what brings us disproportionate happiness. So what is more like a thing or an activity that you do that really just makes you really happy? So I'm half Indian and half Japanese, but I was born in the US and I don't speak the language, but I really want to stay connected to those cultures. And so for me, what brings me disproportionate happiness would be learning more about those cultures, whether it's you know, learning about the fashion and going through the textiles. My Indian grandmother wears the traditional sari. And so I love looking at the silks and the fabrics and then the food, you know, learning about traditional Japanese cuisine. And so I think that because I was born and raised in the U.S., 
and my parents never spoke the languages to me, there's other ways that you can learn about the cultures. And for me, that's just so important. And so I would say that. Have you made trips back there to both? Yeah, so I've been I've been to both Japan and India. I have extended family out there, so I've visited them. And yeah, no, it, it's incredible. I can't wait to go back post-COVID. <laughs> Well, my family's from Ireland and it's it feels different when I go back there. And I'm also very fortunate that we do have relatives and or close friends that really help peek behind that culture. And so I'm I'm jealous that you have that with, uh, I mean, those are two amazing places, uh, India and Japan, that I would love to have a guided, uh, you know, someone to take you around because what a great way to learn that culture, period. But to have that association with family too, it's great. Next question, are you familiar with TED Talks? Yes. So here's the scenario. You have to give a TED Talk. However, it can't be anything that you're widely known for. So uh, I know we've talked a lot about what what you've done. So this feels somewhat unfair. But the other way to answer this question would be, what is something that you're just very curious about that you would love to go explore and then share? So a couple different ways you can go here. But what would be your TED Talk? I think, so this kind of relates to my previous answer i would talk about cultural intelligence Mm. it's called called cq it's a relatively new principle that i learned about in a class last year but basically it's the ability to understand and connect understand different cultures and connect with people that have different backgrounds and identities and so yes you can learn the language and you know eat the food and wear the clothing or whatever it is and travel to that country. But this kind of also relates to how business works. So when you're in a business setting and you're at a meeting, if you're in Japan versus Germany, business people will interact differently because some might be more direct. Japanese people might bow before, have certain practices that you need to learn to be respectful in different countries. And so this is something that really interests me. I'm not an expert on CQ, but I think it's something that's super important, especially for entrepreneurs. And so that's one thing I'd love to learn more about and become an expert in and maybe one day give a TED talk in. That's an amazing answer. And you know, when I was growing up, there was really, it was just IQ right? And the first taste of something different was emotional intelligence. And then like now there's just such a, what I love is being talked about more is just really the the versatility of types of intelligence. And so that's the first time I've heard about cultural intelligence and I love it. Uh, there was another guest I had on the podcast, Dr. Eric Zilmer, who was talking about AI, but not as what we think of it as artificial intelligence. He was calling it adaptive intelligence. So it's like what, and I feel like as entrepreneurs, we just do that all the time. Like we got to adapt and move, but that's not natural to certain people. Mm -hmm. I really love, and the cultural intelligence, it's so true. I mean, everything from just the social interactions, the protocols, you know, how the sequencing of who should order first, who should sit where. I mean, all those are very strong social elements, but then if you want to do business, like you can lose the deal. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So the last question is um, what books and or podcasts would you recommend to anyone? I feel like my answer is pretty basic, but the book, I would say Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's the story of how Nike was born. For me, it hit home because 
you know, Phil Knight was starting Nike and all the inventory was piling up in his basement and he was owing the bank loans. And for me, I have, you know, Nova dresses in my basement and I'm owing my dad a big loan. (laughs) But I think that because, you know, they're both athletic companies and he started with the shoes. I started with the dresses. He had his coach kind of be the first brand ambassador. And I had Olivia be that first brand ambassador. And so when I was starting Nova, I was like, okay, it's totally normal to fail. And that's kind of, I learned about that failure through the book. And so I had it right on my nightstand. (laughs) Had you read that before starting Nova? So actually Olivia Blatchford Klein told me to read it while I was starting Nova. It was right after my launch, the launch. Got it. Um, I read it and I loved it. And then podcast wise, it would probably be how I built this by Guy Raz. Just, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. To hear about how these really successful companies were started and why they were started and what makes them. They're so fascinating for me. You know, obviously, there's an element that I would love to do that show too because they edit it so effectively and it's so it's got the music behind it. It's just such a such another layer of production where I want to get to and I can sometimes. It's just carving out time. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and you know, I think uh, like we kind of shared that. There's more things that we have in the works, which we're not going to share just yet, but it's exciting. And, you know, just even in the short period of time that I've gotten to know you, if somehow I couldn't have known your age or anything about you, just imagine it was like an interface, wouldn't have known you, couldn't have guessed your age at all. Like the level of sophistication you're at, the sort of fearlessness that you have, and the that's all coupled with the level of self-awareness that you have. I mean, it's just really such a powerful mixture at such a young age. I'm sure you kind of either A, get that all the time, or B, don't. It can Sometimes it can be that extreme, but it's true nonetheless, from my opinion, and I'm excited to be uh, doing more stuff with you and the company. Thanks so much, Connor, for having me and for your time. It's been awesome to be on here today. Thanks, guys. That wraps our quickfire breakout segment. If you want to hear full-length episodes, you can go to Squash Radio using your preferred podcast listening method. We love hearing from you, what you like, what you don't like, suggestions on what you might want to hear on this channel, or recommend a story or a person to be interviewed. You can reach out on any of the social media platforms or email us at squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thanks again, and until next time.